stand and worship the Lord and bless his name in the sanctuary where we came to see his power and the glory. It's joy to the world. The Lord has come. Hallelujah. With all your heart, worship him and bless his name.
power and the glory celebrating your greatness and awesomeness hope is your name jesus hope is your name hallelujah halalabaki hope has a name and his name is jesus thank you stand here celebrating you at this time lord god jesus not only today but every day of our lives for you are our breath you are our life you are everything we need we give you honor Hallelujah. Breaking through the silence with the glory in the highest. The hope of all creation. Anybody can say amen. Resting in his mother's arm. That was Jesus. Came to us. Amen. With the glory in the highest, the hope of all creation, resting in his mother's arms. Let's sing it again, breaking through the silence. Breaking through the silence. Yes, Lord. With the glory in the highest, the hope of all creation, Resting in his mother's arms, a song on the horizon. A, a song on the horizon, ringing through the heavens. The long-awaited Savior, come to set the captives free. Yes, Lord. To set the captives free. Hallelujah. Set the people free, Lord. Hope has a name. Hope has a name.
faithful who is right now standing in his courts wherever you are you are the joyful and the triumphant one through him oh come let's worship him and bless his name
so close to you, he'll never leave you, never forsake you. We're going to sing now, Oh Holy Night. Can you take yourself to that place where the stars were brightly shining and the shepherds on the mountain and the angels appeared? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. The good news came to us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Hallelujah. Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. This is the day. This is the day that we're living in because of that day. You have life and life eternal.
Savior Jesus, we honor you, Ho Rabbi Bay. Pray in the spirit, but this is how you give thanks well. Hebra Kata Shara Lakote Heda. Hereba, we're gonna after that we're gonna think Christ the Lord. Oh praise his name forever. Ho Rabba Kata Ralaki Sherebekina Masharabahai. Horabahata in one voice, praise Christ is the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed Thank you that we have this particular time of the year where we can put an exclamation mark, where we can make a proclamation, where we can give thanks, where we can focus on the most wonderful, glorious gift that has ever been given, the life of your son. For the very purpose that you might have us and that you might be able to live through us. And that we might reign with you throughout eternity. So that we would be part 
of your government as we go into the realms of eternity. But none of that would be possible if Jesus did not go to the cross. So Father, we are just here in absolute thanksgiving and we rejoice over the most precious gift and we also rejoice because you have given us this time we call Christmas as a way of remembering. A way of having our thoughts and our consciousness be focused on Jesus, what he has done, and the value, his value in our lives. Never do we want to be in that place where we do not highly esteem Christ, your gift. He's not just Emmanuel, God with us, but he is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So, Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We bless your name. We magnify you. We declare our love for you. We declare, Jesus, we love you. And we bless you. You are God. Mediator between God and men. The only name given among men whereby we can be saved. Whereby we can come into fellowship and into relationship and into intimacy with God, our creator, who has become our heavenly father. Father, we bless you, we praise you, we worship you, we magnify your name. Hallelujah. Let's have a seat. Praise God forevermore. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, Christmas is such a giving time because God gave. Amen? And so, as we, as we come to this point in the service where we have an opportunity to give, give to God, give to the kingdom of God, give to the work of the Lord. And it really is an opportunity. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, reading from verse 5, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And so similarly, I feel it is necessary and appropriate for me to exhort you in your giving. Maybe some have wanted to give, but you hadn't given. Maybe whatever the case might be, you were, uh, you know, there is something you wanted to do and you, you didn't quite get there. Today is your opportunity. It's your opportunity to give and to release your faith and to just declare your love of God and the work of the Lord of God as you give. And to not do so grudgingly, but do so from your heart. It goes on to say, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So I want to encourage you to give your best gift. Uh, it may be sacrificial on your part, I don't know, but I want to encourage you to give that special gift. And only you, is between you and God what bountiful is. But I want to encourage you to do so. And so it goes on to say, let each one give as he purposes in your heart. 
It is nice to hear a voice from heaven that says give this or to give that. And that's fine. We want to obey that. But also too, it says as you purpose in your heart. You can purpose in your heart. And you can just decide I'm going to give this, that, in this manner, whatever the case is. Because this is what I purpose in my heart. So, so give as you purpose in your heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity. But God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able. Say God is able. God is able to make all grace, all grace. It might not be in a financial arena. It might be in a totally different arena. But in the release of your seed, there is God that releases grace, all manner of grace, that it might abound towards you so that you would have all sufficiency and abound unto every good work and have an abundance. Amen. And it goes on to say, he that disperses abroad has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever. Your giving causes your righteousness before God to endure forever. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for your food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Amen? Hallelujah. I know the instructions as to how to give are on the screen. You can follow those instructions. But I just want to pray for you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, you see the heart of every giver. You see those that are giving in obedience to the prompting of your spirit. You see those that are giving because they are purpose in their heart. And Lord, you see where they are giving from. And Lord, I'm just asking that by the power of your spirit that you will cause all grace to abound towards them. In whatever area they may need it, Lord. And even as a bonus, Lord, financially, but also in other arenas, in, in, in the arenas of the soundness of their mind, their relationship, their health, their hope. Let all grace abound towards them, Father, that they might have all sufficiency and abound to every good work. Thank you, Lord, for increasing their seed sown and multiplying the fruit of their righteousness. So that it comes back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. May they sense your infinite nearness throughout this period of time, today, and throughout this season, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for doing them good, showing them love, showing them kindness, manifesting yourself to them, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now we're going to go to the word and um, I'm going to be teaching today about divine health and how to live in divine health. Amen. But um, as I go to this word today, I just want to, you know, please take time. And pay, pay close attention. I want you to get this. I want you to receive this. You know, it, it is, you know, I, I, it is sad some of the things that you see out there, even in the body of Christ, and it's very grievous. But I know God's will is that you would be in health. Be healed, but even be in health. So I just want you to take time, pay close attention, listen to this message, See what God is saying to you and how you are to apply it. Amen? Your destiny. <laughs> there is no destiny when you're not alive. Amen? You got to be here to have a destiny. Amen? And the enemy would like to cut your day short, 
but that's not the will of God. So, Father, I thank you right now for ears to hear and hearts to, to understand, and that they would run with this word in Jesus' name. I thank you for divine utterance that I would speak as an oracle of God in the right spirit of love and gentleness and wisdom and authority. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, may your will be done through this message. May your people be helped in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Divine health, how to live free from sickness. Now, let me say this in starting. Yes, I'm teaching about divine health, but the very principles about what it takes to live in divine health and to be free from sickness. If for some reason you're dealing with any kind of illness, just in the pursuit of divine health, you will be healed. Amen? Now, at the same time, I also, I don't want you to feel any sense of condemnation because you might be struggling in some area health-wise. Don't feel condemned, condemned whatsoever. But open up your heart and receive the truth of God's word so that you can have what Jesus Christ has paid for you to have in this arena of healing and divine health. Amen? All right. Now, our text for today is Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 28. It says, in the way of righteousness is life. And in its pathway, there is no debt. In the way of righteousness is life. And we are talking about a life of Christ. We are talking about the God kind of life. We are talking about eternal life. And in its pathway, there is no death. Question is, can someone live, can a believer live in divine health? Is it possible to live free from sickness, disease, illnesses, and ailments? In this fallen world, where there's all kinds of diseases and all, and every so often there's a new one that comes up that is called COVID, whatever it might be. Is it possible to live in such a hostile environment on this fallen world with sickness and disease and live above it and be free from sicknesses and disease? Well, I want to say to you emphatically, the answer is yes. So, our text for today is, in the way of righteousness, there is life. In that way of righteousness, living in oneness with God, as if you were Christ, living in that place with the authority of Jesus, knowing what your rights and your privileges are, and not being in a place of condemnation and guilt and shame, but rather being in that place where you know you have boldness and confidence and God accepts you, and when you pray, it's as if Jesus prayed because you're functioning in that name. So in the way of the righteous, the one that is operating in that oneness is life. It's the very life of Christ. And in that pathway of righteousness, there is no death. There isn't that dynamic of death in operation. In other words, then, as you are established in this righteousness, established in this relationship, established in this oneness that you have with God in Christ, what happens? Isaiah 54 verse 14 says, In righteousness they shall be established, and they will be far, not near, far from oppression, because they shall not fear. Sickness and disease is an oppression. Would you agree? Well, you will be far from oppression. Far from sickness and disease just because you're established in righteousness. Now, in, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 21, God says that if there was a way by which he can bring life, 
that God kind of life, eternal life, and he could give you the life of Christ. He says if there was a way he could do that based on law, then he would have. But he says righteousness didn't come that way. And the point of this is, the, the point of it being, if, if you could have, you let me read the verse specifically. It is saying this. If there had been a law given that could give that kind of life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. That life would have been by the law. But it says, instead of saying that, it says righteousness. It interchanges righteousness and the life. Why is that? Because you see, in the life and in that oneness that you have with God in Christ, the life of Christ is, becomes your life. We're going to amplify that some more. But the point is, as you are established in that life, as you are established in righteousness, sickness and disease will be far from you. Oneness. Say oneness. Galatians 2.20 says you've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless you live. Yet it's not you, but it is Christ that liveth in you. And the life you now live is the life of Christ, and you live it by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, then, here Galatians 2.20 is talking, is calling righteousness. That oneness that you have with God in Christ. Pastor Dad, can you flip that around? It, it is that oneness that you have with God in Christ. The life of Christ is righteousness. First Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, Christ is made unto you righteousness. Christ is made unto you righteousness. Now, the thing about it is, righteousness, quite frankly, living in oneness with Christ, is the supreme answer to any problem that exists. Why is that? Well, the scripture says in Hebrews that, that the scepter of the kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. And we know from Psalms 103 verse 19 that the kingdom of God rules over all. It's a kingdom of God rules over sickness and disease, rules over poverty and lack, rules over oppression and depression, rules over any ailment or any problem that could exist in the realm of the human race. But now the righteousness of God is the scepter that activates and releases that kingdom of God. So because of that, if the kingdom of God solves every problem, then righteousness solves every problem. No wonder Jesus would say, pursue righteousness, pursue the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added unto you. Everything else. Amen? So, righteousness is the supreme answer. Now, the life of Christ, which again, as I said, is almost interchangeable with righteousness, the life of Christ is also the supreme answer to any problem in the realm of the human race. The life of Christ. The very life of Christ. Now, let me turn to Revelation chapter 22. Say the life of Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Revelation chapter 22. Reading from verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water, of water of life. Say the life of Christ. Clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And by the way, you are God's sanctuary. In the middle of its, of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were 
for the healing of the nations. Healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. No more curse. This river, wherever this river flows, wherever there was any curse, it disappears. If there was sickness and disease, healing shows up. If there was poverty and lack, abundance shows up. Doesn't matter any trace of the curse, there was no more curse. Why? Because of the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it and his servant shall serve him and that's where the river goes. So here's my point. Wherever the river flows, curse is removed. Whether they be curse of illness, oppression, depression, the life of Christ, out of the life of Christ flows, it flows, flows, it says out of his belly, out of the person who believes in Jesus, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. In Proverbs 4 verse 23 it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the rivers, are, are the streams of life. Streams of life. In Christ was life, and that life was the light of men. And that light shines into darkness, and the darkness couldn't stop it. The life of Christ, coming out of the life of Christ, is an answer to any problem. Coming out of the life of Christ is healing, it's health. Christ has made unto you wisdom. Christ has made unto you righteousness. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whatever it is, Christ is that to you. All grace comes out of him. We beheld his glory, full of grace and full of truth. And of his fullness we receive grace on top of grace on top of grace. The law was given by Moses, but grace, provision, enablement, wisdom, whatever the grace is, came through Jesus Christ. So through the very life of Christ is every provision, is every answer. So the very life of Christ is the supreme answer for anything. Today we are focusing on the health aspect, on divine health and healing. How to live free from sickness. Well, that river of life of Christ must flow continually. Here is the answer. Let me give you the, the, the end in the beginning. How can someone live in divine health and not be sick? Well, the answer lies in the life of Christ. And that life of Christ needs to flow continually. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We know from Ezekiel 47 verse 9 that it, when it speaks about that same river and it says that river, wherever that river goes, where there was sickness, the sickness leaves and there is healing. And we saw there in Revelation 22, wherever that river goes, at the side of it there are, there are these, leaves, these leaves for these trees that are for the healing. And wherever that river goes, curse is destroyed. And the scripture says, John 7, 38, out of our belly, for the one that believe on him, out of our belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. So the fact of the matter is, if you can get that river that is inside your born again spirit, that has the very life of Christ, if you can cause that river to flow continually to every cell and to every joint and to every organ, it will destroy any sickness or disease and it will bring healing and divine health. So there is the end in the beginning. You've got to know about that river. And that river, which is the life of Christ in you, needs to flow continually. All right, so let's go after it. Jesus was made to be sin. Consider this. We're still answering the question, is it possible? And how can it be done? Jesus was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness. Sorry, Jesus was made to be sin for us. 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Can someone come to the place where they're living in righteousness perpetually? They're living in that oneness. They're living in that authority of the name of Jesus. They're living with the confidence of what their rights are. They're living in a place free from condemnation and guilt and shame. They're living in the security of being accepted before God. Is it possible? Of course it's possible. And so the scripture tells us that we can be established in righteousness. Isaiah 54 verse 14. Jesus came. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, Jesus became what? Poor. That we through his poverty might be what? Rich. Can someone come to such a place where they are free from lack and poverty? Is that possible? Where they're free from lack and, and, and poverty and they're living in abundance and the sufficiency of God? Of course it's possible. There's the evidence of that around. Well, similarly, Jesus bore our sicknesses, carried our diseases. We know that for a fact. And by his stripes we are healed. We know that for a fact. But can you come to a place where you are free from illnesses, sicknesses, diseases, and ailments? Well, Isaiah 33 verse 24 says, The inhabitants will say, I, the, the inhabitants will not say, I am sick. That's what the scripture prophesied. Isaiah 33, verse 24. The, the inhabitants will not say, I am sick. And in Jeremiah 23, verse 25 and 26, it says, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your food. He's going to empower what goes into your mouth. And I will take sicknesses away from the midst of thee. Did God mean that? Is that true? Well, if sicknesses is taken away from the midst of you, and it goes on to say, and you will fulfill the number of your days, does that sound like divine health? Amen. Hallelujah. And of course, we know third John 2, I wish above all things that you might what? Prosper and be in health. Not just be healed, but be in health. So, Divine health is possible and it is available. The question is how? How can you live in divine health? Well, we've already indicated it's about the life of Christ and keeping our life flowing. But let's go a little further. How can you come to live in the righteousness of God? Perpetually. How? Well, the answer is going to be you're going to need to have the, the knowledge about that righteousness and you're going to need to apply those truths, those corresponding truths so that you could come to that place. Amen? Is that right? You're going to have to know about this righteousness of God. And you're going to have to apply the truth. Well, how can you come to the freedom from lack and poverty? And to come into prosperity. You're going to have to know what the word of God says. You're going to have to have knowledge regarding the subject. And you're going to have to apply the corresponding truths. Isn't that right? Okay. Well, similarly, how do you come? into that place of living in the van health and be free from sickness and disease? The answer is the same. You're going to have to get a hold of the knowledge and the, you got to get uh, the knowledge and apply the corresponding truths to be able to be established to live in this place where you're free from sickness and disease. The scripture says in Titus 1 verse 1, the acknowledgement of the truth is after godliness. In other words, when you acknowledge and you get a hold of the truth and you embrace it and you live it and you apply it, it will produce godliness, the God kind of life. In John, it calls it abundant life. Abundant life doesn't have sickness, disease, poverty, lack. What am I saying? What am I saying? I'm saying that this issue of the divine health is going to be, you're going to have to get a hold of the truth 
and apply the truth, and that truth will make you free. Amen? In that arena. So, what is the precise answer then? I'm, I'm going around, but I'm saying the same thing. That's why I told you the end in the beginning. Because so that whatever happens, you can get this. It's about the life of Christ and letting that life flow. All right. The answer then is precisely this. It's the life of Christ and letting and causing that life to flow continually. And it's a good question. How does it flow continually? That's a good question. We'll come to it. <laughs> the life of Christ. The life of Christ must dominate you. The life of Christ that is in your spirit must flow continually to every cell, to every joint, to every organ, to your tissues, to your bones. It must flow because don't forget in that life, the divine nature, there is healing, there is wholeness. And wherever that river of life goes, if there is anything that is out of line, that is sickness or disease or is just trying to be, it will drive it out. So you just need that life to be flowing. You already have it in your spirit. You just need to have it flowing into every cell and every part of your being. Now, this is a little bit, this is not in my notes, but I'll mention it anyway. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 says, more or less, that you've got this life in your spirit. Every believer has that life in the spirit. But if there is a lack of knowledge, we call it ignorance. If there is hardness of heart, insensitivity to certain truths, and if, there, and, if, and, and, and if there is that lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, lack of sensitivity, even though the believer has that light in his spirit, just a few inches away from where sickness is trying to attack his body, he can be alienated and cut off from that light because of ignorance. That is why when you know the truth concerning this and you apply it, it will make you free. But what is the point? What is the point? The point is, you've got that life in your spirit, but you've got to get it flowing and to keep it flowing. And if you can do that, you can live in divine health. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says, when you were, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. When we were enemies, reconciled to God, how? Through the death of his son. Much more, say much more. Much more. Now, now that you've been reconciled, you're born again, you're reconciled, are you not? Now that you are reconciled, you shall be, you shall be saved. That means healed, isn't it? You shall be saved by, by his death, no, by his life. Now that you've been reconciled to God, you shall be saved, healed, and made whole by his life. What life? The life that is in your spirit. Thank God for what happened on the cross. Thank God Jesus bore your sickness, carried your infirmities in his own body. Thank God for that. But now we are talking about living in divine health. And this scripture tells me that if that life that is in your spirit, now that you reconcile, if that life can flow, that life will cause you to be healed. You will be saved. You will be healed by his life. Your old life ended. The old you that was susceptible to sickness and disease and all of that, that old life ended in death and burial. Now you've got a new life. Say, I've got a new life. Now this thing is going to become very important because you see, later on when we start seeing, well, how do we keep this river flowing? How are we going to get it to flow? How? One of the things is you're going to have to become conscious of that life in your spirit. You cannot be ignorant of it and expect it to flow. Are you with me? 
You're going to have to be conscious of who you are. You're going to have to be conscious that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That you are one with Jesus. That the same life in the vine is in the bread. You're going to have to know that. So that old life is dead and gone and buried. It's gone. But now you got a new life. And this new life began in resurrection. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, Being born again to a living hope. By the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were born again to a new life. By the resurrection. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24 says. You live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. It comes with righteousness. But of course it comes with righteousness. Because righteousness is the oneness that you have with God in Christ. How can the vine and the branch be one? And the life that is in the vine not be in the branch. So of course, because of that oneness, we live, we, we, um, we live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Healing comes with righteousness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Righteousness delivers from death. Now, um, so in resurrection, you are, you've been raised up. Now listen to this for a moment now. I'm gonna, we're going to start stretching. So you, gotta, you better start stretching. <laughs> All right. In resurrection, you are raised up together with Christ. Now hear me. In resurrection, Jesus released immortality. Now if this was not in the Bible, man, I couldn't say something like this. But 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10, and you can check it out. It says life. And immortality is brought to light through the gospel. Through that sacrifice. That's the good news. And that gospel, Christ in you. Life and immortality, which the Amplified says, it's an immunity to death. Proverbs 11 verse 4 says that, um, that righteousness delivers from death. Our key scripture that we, our the scripture for our text, Proverbs 10, 12, 24. In the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. How can there be death in the life of Christ? Jesus said in John 11, verse 25 and 26. Now you see, whether all of this makes sense or not, you got to take it by faith. Through faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. True faith we understand. Well, you're going to have to take some of this by faith until the revelation comes. But Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He that believes, do you believe? He that believes in me shall never die. Inside your born again spirit, you've got immortality and immunity to death. You've got eternal life in your spirit. All we are talking about is to get that life to flow into every joint, into every cell, into every organ perpetually. I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. In other words, the dynamic of death will not work in him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 54 says, death is swallowed up in victory. What does that mean? Death is swallowed up by that life. So Romans 8 verse 2 says, the law, now catch me now, you got to stay close now. 
the law of the spirit of that life that is in Christ. The law that governs the life. The law that governs the life. The law of that governs the life. The law of the spirit of that life in Christ makes you free from the law of sin and death. It makes you free from the law of sin and death. Now, sickness and disease is under the law of sin and death. So that scripture can read, the law of the spirit of life in Christ makes you free from the law of sin and death, sickness and disease. The law of the spirit of life functioning in that life of Christ will make you free from the law of sin and death and sickness and disease. Our part is to function in the life of Christ. And that's what we're talking about, aren't we? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So again, what does what our text say? In the way of righteousness is life. And in the pathway there is no death. Listen to this in the Amplified. Proverbs 12, 28. Life is in the way of righteousness. Now we're talking about the life of Christ. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about the life of God. Life is in the way of righteousness, the nature of God. And in its pathway, there is no death, but immortality, perpetual, eternal life. That's what the Amplified says. In the pathway of righteousness, in the pathway of living in this oneness that you have with God in Christ, there is no death, but there is immortality, and there is perpetual, eternal life. Are you hearing this? So, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a lot of repetition here on purpose. The secret then of living in divine health and coming to the place of no illness is found in the life of Christ that already is in your spirit the moment you got born again. And that life needs to flow perpetually continually. That's good news. The good news of the gospel is that you have that life. That's good news. Here you have this thing, this life that can make someone, that wherever this life goes, healing takes place, sickness is driven out, and you come to find out that you've got that life, and being born again gives you that life. He that believeth on me shall not perish, but shall have what? That very life. Man, that's good news. Amen. You say, I got that life. He that believes has that life, eternal life. First John 5, 12 says, he that has the son has life. You're born again, you have the son, you have life. But he who does not have the son doesn't have that eternal life. In other words, you cannot, this is for believers, I'm sorry. Can, this, can, the, can, the, can the unsaved be, saved, be healed? Yes. But in terms of living in divine life and divine health, you got to have eternal life. And you can't have that if you don't have the son, if you're not born again. So that is one of the reasons why every person needs to be born again or else you can't have this eternal life. I'm not even talking about heaven and hell. I'm talking about having that eternal life right here and right now. But every born-again child of God has that life of Christ. The thing is, he must not be alienated from it. That life needs to flow. But every child of God has the potential of living in divine 
health. Colossians 1, 27, what does it say? Christ in you, the what? The hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope, is the confident expectation that you can have of glory. The excellency of God. Romans 8 verse 10 says the body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is life. Because of what? Righteousness. And then it goes on to say, if the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body by that spirit that dwells in you. Well, when the Holy Ghost can pull that life and healing out of your spirit and distribute it in your body, quicken your mortal body, sickness cannot remain. The law of the spirit of the life makes you free from the law of sin and death, sickness and disease. So now, we're circling around the wagon, but let's get a little bit closer. How do you get this life to flow? You know you got the life. So it's all about how do you get this life to flow. Well, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, he says, I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that the life of Christ might also be made manifest in my body. And then verse 11 says, in my mortal flesh. Paul says, I, I, I want this life of Christ to, to be made manifest, to show up in my physical body. So this is what I do. I always bear about in my body, while I'm living in this temple, I always bear about the dying of the Lord Jesus. In other words, he's saying, Paul is saying, I Make sure, and I always live this way. I live in the identification of the entirety of the sacrifice. I live in this place where I recognize the old man, the old Paul, died and was buried with Christ. I live in this place where I recognize I am raised up. I've been resurrected with him. I ascended with him. I'm seated on the Father's right hand in the place of ascension far above principalities and powers. I recognize that that blood has washed me and has cleansed me. That that blood has given me all of these promises and inheritance. That by the record of that blood, there is no accusation that the enemy can bring against me. And I live in this place where I have the name of Jesus. So I can boldly come before the throne of God. I can pray in that name. I can execute authority over devils and demons in that name. So that whatever I bind on earth, God backs me up and binds it in heaven. Whatever I lose, I have that name. And I have the life of Christ. The life I now live is not my own. It is the life of Christ that lives inside of me. And I have all the word and the promises there. Yes and amen. Paul says, I always... I always bear about in my body. I live in this constant, continual acknowledgement and awareness. While I'm in this body, I have total identification with the sacrifice. And as a result, what happened? I have the life of Christ manifested in my body. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. Now, in this here, this, all of this identification with the sacrifice that Paul says is what he attributes the life of Christ being made manifest in his body. It begins where? In death. I'm dead with him. I'm crucified with him. It begins in death and burial. That's very important. 
Now, when we're talking death now, again, we're getting a little deeper here now. When we're talking death, we're not just talking self-denial. It includes that. But we are talking, and this is necessary. You're going to have to embrace death. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Colossians 3, verse 3, I am dead, and my life is hid with Christ in God. I am crucified with him. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. So here is the point. How are you going to have this life manifested? How are you going to have this river flowing? Well, this is a place where you must start. You must embrace the death. And you must also embrace the sacrifice. Now, Romans 1 verse 16 says this. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. We're still looking for an answer. We want to know how does this river flow? How do I keep it flowing? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, the sacrifice. Because it's the power of God that produces salvation. Now we know salvation is from that Greek word soteria and it includes healing. So the gospel, the good news, the sacrifice produces healing. It produces healing and divine health. The gospel, the good news. Well, now, let's go a little further. It says in Romans, Galatians 1 verse 15 and 16, Paul says, when God called me from my mother's womb, it was for this purpose. It was to reveal his son in me. And that I might preach him among the Gentiles. But I... Paul, you're supposed to preach the gospel. Yes, I, I know that. But I'm to preach him revealing me among the Gentiles. What's the point? The point is, Christ in you is the gospel. That is the good news. Christ in you is the good news. No longer you that live, but it's Christ that living in you. That's the good news. So the gospel is Christ in you. The life of Christ in you. And so Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That gospel, that Christ in me is the power of God that produces healing and divine health. That is why I'm going to say you've got to develop that conscious awareness that you've got that life. All right. Say the gospel. All right, we're going to go a step further now. Is that okay? <laughs> there are three aspects to the gospel that, that, that I think are relevant right now. And the reason I say relevant right now, because you have the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of grace, gospel of righteousness, the gospel of peace, Christ in the hope of glory. But let me identify three that are very relevant to living in divine health. Three aspects that brings, that is going to, okay, let's put it this way. Three aspects of the gospel that will bring us to this life of Christ. That needs to flow. Is that okay? All right. All right. Aspect number one is called the gospel of the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the kingdom of God. God's reign, God's having dominion, God's rulership. And it also says, in, Jesus also said in Matthew 24, verse 18, he says, this gospel of the what? Kingdom 
shall be preached in all the world. And in all the world, and then shall the end come. So there ain't no end going to come without this gospel of the kingdom being preached. Now, the essence of the kingdom of God, God having dominion, God having rule, that's fear of God. You know, the, you know in some place where it, where it says, you cannot say, I, I, you, you know, if you're fornicating, you're drunkard, you're doing this, you're doing that, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But of course not. How can you be say that, I'm, that the king has dominion in my life when I'm doing whatever I want with my flesh? Can you see that? That's why it says that in Ephesians and Galatians and a couple places. That's why Jesus is going to say in another place, don't call me Lord, Lord, and, I, and I'm not your Lord. Even though, yes, you went about and you were doing this and you were healing and you were doing whatever it is in my name. So the kingdom of God comes down to what? It comes down to the fact that you are to submit to God. Your life is not your own. You are, um, you, are, you, are, you are abandoning yourself to God. It's not my will, but it's his will. In other words, then this kingdom of God, having God's complete reign and dominion, requires of you what? Self-denial or, let's put it more accurately, embrace death. Remember? Jesus said that. Jesus says, if you want to come after me and you want to have my life, remember? He says, if you want to have my life, you got to take up that cross and follow me. You got to deny yourself. He says, unless you do, you cannot, you cannot be my disciple. You might be converted, you might make it to heaven, but you cannot be saying that you are disciplined by me and to me. So what is the point? The kingdom of God, this first element, this first aspect, this gospel aspect has to do with self-denial or embracing death, which is what Paul talked about. So, of course, we know, we know we have scriptures like Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Reckon yourself to be what? Dead indeed. Colossians 3, verse 3 and 4. You are dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life shall appear. Philippians 1, 21. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Amen. The gospel of the kingdom is embracing death. Now. When you recognize what this is talking about, and if you see, even when Jesus says, man, he said, they said, we did this in your name, we did that in your name, we did these signs, and he didn't say, no, you didn't. He says, workers of iniquity, you had a bend. You weren't exactly underneath my lordship. So here's the point. This embracing of death is going to come down, to an abandonment of your will is going to come down to a high level of consecration. Amen? You can't live anyhow. It's a high level of consecration. It's such a high level of consecration even to the point that your body is the temple of the living God and you are not your own. You can't, your body doesn't belong to you. It's been bought with a price. Therefore, God is to be glorified in it. Is that what the scripture says? You see I'm showing you, what I'm trying to show you? What this debt is? Lord, I need to be healed from the crown of my head to the tip of my toes. Why? That you might be glorified in this body. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, it's about submitting to the will of God. But now, to live that level of consecration, you can't do it on your own. 
You can't do it by willpower. You can't do it by law keeping. You need Christ. You need grace. Say, I need grace. So here comes the second aspect of the gospel, which we call the gospel of grace. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, um, about the grace of God has appeared unto what? All men, teaching them to what? Deny godly ungodliness and to live soberly before God. To deny godliness, a, a life without God. To deny a life separate from God. What? Yeah, to, de to de deny ungodliness. Ungodliness, a life without God. A life separated from God. Deny that. Don't be there. And to live soberly. Think like God. All right, let's dig in on this. You've got to have the grace of God to live this level of surrender. In the gospel of grace, grace is every blessing. It's God's enablement. It is the power of God. It is God's strength. It is God's life. It is God's ability. It is God's health. It is divinity living inside your humanity. So that you have this treasure in earthen vessels. So that when the results come, the excellency of the power, it is of God and not of us. Our boast is in him. Paul so understood this that Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, he says, I am who I am by the grace of God. And he says, I work harder than all the other apostles. But yet it is not me. It is the grace of God that is in me. Paul said, I've come to this place where I recognize I can't do this. But I also recognize that if I can just be in that place where I recognize I can't do it, but I totally, completely trust in him to do it. And I abandon myself to him. And I yield to him. And I trust him. And I, my confidence is not self-confidence. But as a confidence in him, he says, I've come to this place. Where I've come to recognize when I'm weak, then am I strong. His grace is my sufficiency. When I could come to that place of that wholehearted surrender and that wholehearted trust in him doing it, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Can you see that? That's very important. So that there is the second element. The second aspect of the gospel. That's why Paul would say in Galatians 6 verse 14. That I would rather glory. I'm not going to boast in anything else. But I'm going to boast in the cross. By which the world is crucified to me. And me to the world. So in other words then there is that grace. There is the gospel of the kingdom. Which is embracing death. And then there is the gospel of grace. Total surrender and total trust. Faith, it is a faith that it might be by grace. So that the promise might be available to all their seed. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. Teaching us to what? Deny any kind of dependence on self. To deny any living in separation from him. And to live in such a place of oneness and absolute dependence. So this grace brings us to what? To Christ. Now we now, it brings us to the life of Christ himself. So we are embracing death. 
the kingdom of um, the kingdom of God. We are coming to a place of total surrender and trust the, the gospel of grace. But that brings us to what? The life of Christ. That's the third aspect of the gospel. Now, it says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of what? Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. The gospel of Christ, Christ himself, understand this, he is the source of the grace. The law was given by Moses, but grace came through Jesus Christ. Of his fullness, we have received grace on top of grace. Grace is not a doctrine. Grace is not, is not some belief system. It is not some spiritual dynamic. Grace is the very person of Christ. I don't believe in this grace stuff. I don't believe in the doctrine uh, in grace. You saying you don't believe in Jesus? Jesus, he, Christ, is grace. And that is why he is all grace come out of him. That's why he is your wisdom. He is your righteousness. He is your sanctification. He is your light. He is your strength. He's got the answer. Rivers, rivers, rivers. He has made unto us all of these things. All right. So let me summarize where we're at here. The secret to living in divine health is found in the fact that, number one, healing and divine health is in the life of Christ that is in you. Number two, that life of Christ needs to flow secret of divine health. Number three, Paul said that he made a total identification with Christ's sacrifice so that the life of Christ may show up. Number four, the gospel of the kingdom says what? Deny self. Embrace death. Number five, the gospel of grace says you can't do it. <laughs> you need grace. You need help. And total trust for Christ in you to do it. So the gospel of grace says total faith, total trust, total surrender. And then number six, the gospel of Christ says you found the answer. You have found the life. My life. Jesus says my life. The life. The life of Christ now, now that you've come to this point, that life needs to flow and it needs to flow continually. So here is how you do it. This is the action part of this message. What you've got to do. Alright? What are you supposed to do? You must develop the conscious awareness that you are the righteousness of God. And that you have that life. Your spirit is life because of righteousness. You must develop that consciousness. First, Peter, First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 34 says, Awake to righteousness. Awake to righteousness. Awake to that oneness. And stop coming short of the glory. But before that it says, it says, evil communication corrupt good manners. In other words, the way you think, your thoughts is the company you keep. So you got to think righteous. You got to think right. You got to think this way. I have the life of God in me. I have the life of God in me. I'm one with him. I have his authority. You've got to think that way. You see, the problem sometimes is that we make wonderful, tremendous confessions. I can sit and I can make some confessions right now regarding healing, regarding divine health, and they could be very totally scriptural and it might be very impressive. But I can walk away and myself talk 
I am declaring that same power that raised the Christ from the dead, frozen every cell, every joint in my body. No sickness can cleave to me. That law of the spirit of life in Christ dominates me. That river flows and it destroys sickness and disease. And I could talk that way, but then in my self-talk, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh man, my back hurts. Oh, it seems like it's getting worse before I get better, right? I don't know what is this. What is, and I'm, I'm thinking a whole lot of unbelief. Well, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, faith, and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but faith involves your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, your actions. You can't be walking in faith, so to speak, confessing right, but faith works by love, and you don't learn to bear one another burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You can't talk the talk and not think accordingly. You can't just make the confession, but at the same time, right? But at the same time, you're not, you, 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 um, you, your believing is not right. Amen? Now, I do believe it's a place to start, and I do believe with the mouth confession is made unto. But let us understand this. The scripture says to him that orders this conversation aright will see the salvation of God. And that word salvation is healing. To him that orders this conversation. What's your conversation? Is it just how you talk? No. It's your conduct. It's how you think. It's how you believe. It's how you speak. It is your attitudes. If my attitude is murmuring and complaining and griping and everything else, I, instead of it being, well, it might not look good, but thanks be unto God who always caused me to triumph. If, you, if those things aren't right and your conversation aren't right, according to Psalms 50 verse 23, you are not guaranteed for the Lord to demonstrate and cause that salvation to flow. And quite frankly, there are reasons for that because the life, the river will be clogged up. And we could go on and on. We can talk again about Philippians chapter 127 where it says that you, your conversation need to be um, as it becometh the gospel. In other words, your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, your action needs to be consistent with what? Christ living inside of you. Are you with me? So I'm, I'm saying that to point out. It says, evil communication, bad company, corrupt good manners. And then it says, awake to righteousness. You cannot awake to righteousness and function in that oneness without also dealing with your thought processes. And when thoughts are rebellious, when thoughts are not right, what are you supposed to do? Cast it down. And bring every thought, every imagination into captivity and make it obey the word of God. I'm talking about living this life, living in the van health. It doesn't just happen. It's going to say in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 9 and 10, verse 9 is going to say that you need to develop a righteousness consciousness. Don't forget that you are cleansed from your sins, but know that you are right with God. Know that this thing is gone. And then it says you need to be diligent in it to make your, your, your calling and your election sure so that what? You can have a great abundant entry into the kingdom of God, the reign of God. But it is also saying that if you're not diligent, it's not going to happen. I'm saying then that this divine health is wonderful, it's great, it's available, but there's going to be a diligence that is going to apply to you. And it's going to apply in every area. Glory to God. 
So, number one, then you got to develop this conscious awareness. But then here's another thing. We are talking about Romans chapter 8, verse 2. We are talking about our life flowing. That life needs to flow. That life needs to flow. That law that governs our life in Christ needs to be in operation so that you could be free from the law of sin and death and sickness and disease. So, what is required for that life to flow? What is required? Number one, you got to believe right. Say, I got to believe right. What, what does believe right look like? It is finished. What do you mean it is finished? Well, when God placed Adam, he didn't make Adam on the first day. If he did, Adam would have to be treading water for four days. And looking for, waiting for land to show up. But God placed Adam in what was finished. Well, God placed the believer in the finished work of Christ. Jesus bore the sickness, carried the diseases. By his stripes, you're healed. So you need to know that where your healing is concerned, it's already done. And you've got all the divine healing power residing in your spirit. The same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. You need to know that. You need to know that you are, it is finished. You don't have to beg and plead and ask God to do this or to do that. It's already done. You've got to believe right. Not God is going to heal me. No, by his stripes, I'm healed. You got to believe right. And then you got to think right. The scripture says to forget not all his benefits. Who forgives your iniquities and heal your diseases. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Don't forget what? He heals all your diseases. If I am remembering that he heals all my diseases. Then I'm, my mind is going to be full of all of my diseases have been healed. And in which case then I am going to think wellness. I'm not going to be thinking illness. Oops. Oh, I wonder what's that. No. Don't think. In other words, I'm going to give you a simple little secret. But it's powerful. I didn't say it's easy to do, but I am saying it's powerful. Think wellness, not illness. That means you're going to have to be very discerning and scrutinizing where your thoughts are concerned. And if you find your thoughts wandering down some place of illness... Maybe it was fed by that television commercial. If you find your thoughts wandering off, you got to pull it back. You got to cast it down. You got to make it obey, but you got to think wellness. In other words, don't stumble in your believing. Line up your believing to what is finished. Don't stumble in your thinking. Line up your thinking with, with the word of God on what is finished. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, be careful how you think. Because a man's life is going to be shaped by his thoughts. Your future is going to be affected by how you think. So think right. Glory to God. If you think right, anyway, let's skip that. Number three, another point I'm talking about. How do you get this law, the spirit of life to function? You got to talk right. You can't be talking well. You never know what God's going to do. You can't be talking, oh man, I can't stand this. I can't stand that. Man, you'll end up with a bad back. Or weak knees. You can't talk like that. You're not allowed to talk like that. James says in James chapter 3 verse 2. That if a man will bridle his tongue. And control his mouth. And not offend with his speech. In other words he doesn't talk wrong. He is a perfect man. And he can bridle. And he can control his whole body. And even his nature. What is the point? The point is, you know, the, 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 the medical people have now come to a place where they, are, they say there's a speech center in the brain connected to every nerve in your body. So when you talk wrong, you send out the wrong message. You cannot, like people say, and I was using this, you know, well, you know, I, 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 just, I don't know if I can, I can't do this. 
it's, I just don't have the ability for this. Well, you have just spoken to, 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 to develop your incompetence. Are you with me? We could go on and on. But in the area of healing, you can't, if a man does not stumble in his word, he's a perfect man. You got to learn to talk right. Jeremiah 23 verse 28 says, he that has the word, let him speak what? The word. How? Faithfully. What does faithful mean? All the time. Consistently. And God says, I'm going to make my word in his mouth like a hammer, like a fire. And you got to be continual in it. Not just here and there. Not just when you're in church. Not when everybody's making confession. But when you're in the bathroom. When you get some symptom trying to show up. You got to be consistent. The word of God says in Psalm 70 verse 4. They that love is salvation. They that love is healing. Let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified. And you got to learn to talk with authority. You're the righteousness of God. You're not begging and pleading. You're a king. And the Bible says where the word of a king is, there is power. So you've got to oh, have authority. You shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. You've got to say with your mouth, I am well and I'm going to stay well. No sickness is going to attack my body. That law of the spirit of life in Christ dominates me. I am the heel of the Lord. I walk and I live. you got to talk right. Some kind of infirmity, some kind of symptom showing up. You said, no, you're not going to touch my body. What's wrong with you? Get away from me. By his stripes, I am healed. I am the heal of the Lord. I command that growth. Die, get out of my body. You got to speak with authority. What am I saying? If a man does not offend in word, he's a perfect man and he can brighten the whole body. And that not offending in word means talking right. It means being continual. It means having authority. It says the mouth of the righteous shall deliver him. The righteous does not say, Jesus, come up or come down. No, the word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. Number four, love. You got to love. You got to walk in love. Action. Action is governed by love. Faith works by love. It says in Galatians 6 verse 2, that if you see a brother overtaking in a fault, correct him. Do it in the spirit of meekness. And then it says, bear ye one another's burdens. Why? And so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Bearing one another. Love. You've got to love people. You cannot not love people and expect that our river is going to just flow. Because don't forget, at the end of the day, you're operating in righteousness. You're operating in oneness with Jesus. You're doing as Jesus himself would. Well, Jesus would say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do. While he's there bleeding. So you can't allow unforgiveness. You can't allow bitterness. You cannot allow condemnation. You can't allow any of those things. The scripture says in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, what is it saying? About, about bitterness and so on. How that it makes, it, it, it makes, it cuts off the flow of the grace of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Look carefully, lest any fall short of that grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness. And you could add some of his friends. Springing up, defile you, cut you off, separate you, and by this many be defiled. You, in other words, then you've got to live in the love of, it doesn't mean you got to hug everybody. It doesn't mean that someone that, that you can't trust, that hasn't earned your trust, that, that you must have to be buddy buddies with them. No, not everyone is going to be in your inner circle, but you've got to love people. And part of that love also has to do with the element of being persistent in your faith. 
It says in James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried he will receive a crumb of life. That God has promised to them that love him. He didn't say to them that will stay steadfast. And their patience. No, he called that love. Why? Because if you love me you're going to do what I say. And if you love me you're going to do what I say even when it's tough. Even when there's tests. Even when there's trials. So he says, if you're going to stand firm and be steadfast, even in the test and the trials, and stay in the word, he says, man, there's going to be a reward. Well, Hebrews agree. He says, through faith and patience, you obtain the promises, which is manifestation. Amen? All right, so let's conclude this. What is all of that? All of that is this. You got to be consumed with Christ. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 6. Read from verse 48 to about verse 56. He says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Your fathers ate bread in the wilderness, but they're dead. He says, but if you eat the bread that I'm going to give, which is my body, you'll never die. He says, my, my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Talking about the sacrifice. He says, if you be consumed with me, you're going to have my life. But if you don't, you won't. Paul says, look, I want to be so consumed with Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, look, even the things that were gained to me, whatever success in ministry, ministry, nothing else means more to me. Nothing whatsoever. But I want to win Christ. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to be found in him. It's about him. I want to be consumed with him. I want to get a hold of that for which God has gotten a hold of me. And then that passage is going to end in the fact that when you learn to live that way, Philippians 3 verse 20 says, if God, Jesus will take over your life, and if some kind of disease try to rise up in your body, Christ living on the inside, he will rise up himself, and he's going to subdue it, and make it obey him, and make your vile body that it will be like his glorious body. Amen. But let's talk about what? Being consumed with Christ. So here's what you need to do. You're going to have to feed on the word of God. You're going to have to feed on the word of God. There's no shortcut. You've got to meditate in the word. You also have to feed on the presence of God. You've got to develop the presence of God in your life. You've got to apply the blood. You've got to live in a place of praise and worship. You've got to learn to wait on God. Be quiet. You've got you to put the spirit. You've got to get a spirit element. Prayer. Praying in tongues. I'm going to summarize the whole message this way. How do you live in divine health? This is the summary. The life of Christ that is in you must flow continually. How does that happen? You got to be consumed with Christ. How do you become consumed with Christ? You got to embrace death. You got to embrace the sacrifice. And the reason why you got to embrace death is so that you can get out the way. <laughs> so that he could take over. Right? Bodhi, you can't run the ship. His will, not yours. What else you got to do? You got to trust the grace. Because you can't do it. You got to trust the grace. That means there's a total surrender that is required. You got to develop a consciousness of the life of Christ that is in you. And you're going to have to work your faith. What do you mean work your faith? You got to believe right. You got to think right. You got to talk right. You got to act right. That means you got to act in love. And then 2 Peter 1 verse 10 says that if you do that, and if you be diligent, there is going to be a glorious entrance into the everlasting kingdom of God. In other words, then, no, this is not a, 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 a little, you know, whatever you call it. There, there is a requirement here of deep consecration. But is it available? Oh, yes, it is. If, can you imagine 
if Christ can take over your life, really take over your life, how could sickness possibly get in? It says in 1 John 4, 9, here is the love of God manifested. Not just for forgiveness, but he gave his only begotten son so that we might live through him. And if I can do something with that verse, that we might live the life that comes through him. That's eternal life. That's the life of Christ. And that he might live through us. I like to put it this way. When you learn to live Jesus' life for you, for him, he will live your life. <laughs> when you learn to live Jesus' life for him, Jesus will live your life for you. And if Jesus is living your life for you, what's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In other words, I'm going to be here and I'm just living for Jesus. I'm, Jesus, I am your temple and I'm just going to, my meat is to do your will. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live whatever you would like to do if you're here. I'm going to do it for you. And, and I'm going to do it with your strength. And Jesus says, oh yeah? Okay, fine. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live your life for you by living my life in you and through you. And I'm going to live it for you. Now, if Jesus is living your life for you and, and your temple is his temple, you know what he says? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, if anything, anything defile this temple, I will destroy it. So he becomes responsible for your healing and your divine health. There is the answer. Hallelujah! Glory to God! Now you can't tell me now that you don't know how to live in divine health. Now Father, I pray you give them grace. Grace to be a doer of what they've heard today. They may not have captured everything, but give them grace to go back and listen to it. Make notes and pull out what they need to and see what actions they need to take from where they are right now. Lord, I want to thank you that there is not one child of God that don't have that eternal life in him. That don't have that river on the inside of him. The river just only needs to flow and flow continually. But Lord, we thank you that he didn't leave us helpless. You've sent the Holy Spirit as a teacher to lead us, to guide us into all truth, even in this arena of healing and divine health. For herein is the Father glorified, that we might bring forth much fruit that looks like him. So, Lord, we thank you. We know that this is your will, and we give you thanks. We thank you for helping us in the name of Jesus. Father, there's someone out there, you've never, you've heard this, and you think this sounds nice, but you know you have not, you're not born again. So you don't know that you have that eternal life. Well, you need to know it. You need to settle it. You can settle it right now. You know, sometimes we say, I give my life to Jesus. I give my life to Jesus, and I understand that. There's an element to it. Yes, I surrender my life. I get that. But God don't want your life. <laughs> Jesus died to put an end to your life so that your life ends in death and burial. But you know what it's about? It's about you receiving his life. That's what it's about. So if you've never done that, do that right now. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I believe you were raised up from the dead. And that power of resurrection gives me the opportunity to be born again and to receive your life. So right now, I surrender to you and I accept you as my Savior. And as my Lord, I receive you now. Be the Lord of my life. Come and take control. Thank you.
Now, the word of God says, as many as receive him, he gives them the power to become the sons of God, even to them that call upon his name. So if you've done that and you've done that from your heart, you are born again. And Father, I pray for those that might be dealing with some kind of situation in their bodies. And I rebuke every sickness. I rebuke every disease. I rebuke that infirmity. I take authority over that spirit of infirmity. I even take authority over that spirit of death. And I bind it and I rebuke it. And I command it to leave their bodies. They are the temple of the living God. And he only needs to be glorified. So I speak healing. I speak resurrection power. And Father, right now, I release that same river. Everywhere where that river goes, where there was sickness and disease, life comes, healing comes. So I release that life, right, that, that, that river right now, that it will flow to them in the name of Jesus. Right now, Lord God, there's no distance in the realm of the spirit. I release that river of life, and I say be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God forevermore. Well, you can give us a call, connect with us, and we'll help you in whatever way we can in terms of you, you know, going along this pathway of, this new pathway. Jesus says, I'm the way, so that you can walk this way right. And perhaps you need some help in some other areas, connect with us. There's a number of resources that we can give you. Amen? Now, until we meet again, you stay strong and stay blessed. Amen? Praise the Lord. God is